There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Kenny Loggins plays DC's Warner Theater next week on June 7th with his new tour, Still Alright, an intimate evening of stories and songs. I spoke to Loggins about the concert, his new memoir, and his iconic soundtracks from Caddyshack to Footloose to Top Gun, as his hit song Danger Zone once again appears in the sequel, Top Gun Maverick, which is currently the number one movie at the box office. Hey, Kenny Loggins, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP. It's my pleasure. Glad to be here. Now we're talking, of course, because you are coming to the Warner Theater here in D.C., historic spot, on June 7th, and it's called Still All Right, an intimate evening of stories and songs. I mean, that says it all. We'll get stories and songs. But uh, I'm assuming you're going to play, you know, all the greatest hits. And then in between, are you weaving in uh, stories from your from your new book of the same name? We are. Well, I tried to do it in a different format. I've done a couple of shows with uh, a fellow named the calls himself the professor of rock, Adam Reeder. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did his show where I would go on to his show and he would interview me. And we talked about, he had read the book and said, well, I want to ask you some of the questions about the stories in the book. And then those stories lead to songs or how the songs got written. And I said, well, why don't I bring my band? And anytime we hit a story about a song, we can play the song. So we created a long form interview thing, sort of like actors workshop. And it worked so well that I said, this is how we should promote the book. So I talked him into going on the road with me and the show will be part interview. Then then the subsequent stories with that interview and then the subsequent songs with those stories. So that's what an intimate evening with, which we, we talked a lot about how the hell do we, do we build this thing? <laughs> this is not the norm. Right. So that's as close as we came. I think it's great. It's, it'll be different for people that maybe have seen you before or, or if you've never seen you, you know, it'll be a really cool way to kind of go through your life story and hear the songs along the way. It'll be really, really cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. I mean, it's a big week for you. Uh, we can get to Top Gun Maverick in a, in a second, but I, I'd rather move. Um, I'd rather move chronologically for our listeners. So I, I always love to hear, like, how did you get into it in the first place? You were born in what? Everett, Washington. Uh, was there certain stuff your folks played around the house or did you pick up an instrument at a certain age? I always want to know that initial spark. Yeah. Well, in my case, I have I have two big brothers, but one big brother is four years older than me, Dan. And he was very influential in getting me into music and actually taught me to sing harmony when I was about five years old. Oh, wow. Young. So he was nine and he was a total (laughs) music head. And um, and so, you know, because he's my big brother, I just did whatever he said. Let's do this or let's, you know, let's learn this. So I learned a lot of music as a little kid because of him. And that's that's the, the shortest answer to your question is is that my dad was a big Bing Crosby fan. Oh, 
Okay. So, so he turned me on to early Crosby when I was, you know, knee high. Oh, that that's just classic stuff. Um, awesome. Well then I know I'm, I'm a huge country music fan and I didn't even really know uh, just admittedly until researching for this interview, I had no idea you sort of started with some nitty gritty dirt band stuff before the Loggins and Messina stuff. I knew Loggins and Messina. I didn't know about the nitty gritty. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so how, how did you go from nitty gritty and then ultimately forming the duo of Loggins and Messina? You've probably told the story a million times, but I'd love to have it for posterity. Well, well I, I wasn't in nitty gritty dirt band. I wrote four songs for their uncle Charlie album. Okay. And got to know the guys during that period of time. And so that was the most high profile recordings I had of my own material up to that point. And then uh, um, I knew that Jimmy Messina had produced the last Buffalo Springfield album and played bass on it. So I was trying to reach him to, to talk about making a record together. At the same time, he had changed his deal with Clive Davis and Columbia Records to be a producer deal. So he was looking for acts to produce and I was looking for a producer. Gotcha. And it worked out for a bunch, a string of hits. I won't go through all of them, but tell me about your mama don't dance. Do you remember where you were right in putting that one together? Yeah, we were, we were at rehearsal waiting for the band to show up. And Jimmy had that idea of that line, your mama don't dance and your daddy will rock and roll. And was approaching it like an early Elvis kind of thing or Kansas city, uh, Wilbur Harrison. And by, just sort of jamming on that, waiting for the guys to show up. We wrote this song. We thought it was, you know, like a comedy tune, like a, you know, a, what do they call that? Um, anyway, uh, we didn't really think about recording it. And we finished the sitting in album and, and had not recorded Mama Don't Dance. And it wasn't until our second album together that we recorded Mama Don't Dance. And then radio was all over that. And your daddy don't rock and roll. We can all sing it forever. <laughs> um, I know. Well I want to get to all of your movie soundtracks because you're sort of a king of it. But real quick, before that, we, you got to mention we got to mention that it wasn't all movie soundtracks. You also won Song of the Year with for What a Fool Believes with Michael McDonald, Doobie Brothers, that whole thing, and you won another Grammy for for This Is It. After that, uh, talk about how big that was for you to sort of prove that you know it wasn't just locked into this duo Loggins and Messina, but that you had other stuff as you were breaking off solo. How big of a yeah. event was that for you? Yeah, and whenever I call you friend with Stevie, which was really the the, the thing that broke open my my solo career, because mm -hmm. I didn't know it then, but it, it's very difficult for artists to go solo out of successful duos, right? In particular, so um, when I did whenever I call you friend, which I'd written originally to write with Michael, and then Michael passed on it, so I wrote it with Melissa Manchester, and then we got that to Stevie, and Stevie and I did it as a duo. But that was that was before any of the movie stuff that was, you know, right at the beginning of my solo career. Absolutely. Well, it's all great stuff. But let's now we're, let's get to the movies, baby. That's my bread and butter. I love it. I guess the first big one uh, was, you know, the the, the remake of a, a Star is Born. Well, though, I guess it's been remade since. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the I Believe in Love. Just talk about putting together uh, for that song for such a star studded film. But but also, I mean, there, was there any pressure knowing that it was a remake and hey, how are we going to liven this up? And they turned to Kenny Loggins and say, make it new, baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, they actually turned to quite a few people. Yeah. Um, that was Barbara Streisand and John Peters, her boyfriend at the time. Uh, and uh, I got a call from Barbara to, I hadn't met her before. And I got a call from her office, you know, am I, am I available to have lunch in this show? So the idea was that she was meeting with different pop songwriters 
and asking if they had anything unfinished or an idea or could write a song for a particular scene. And we sat together for about two days solid, but because I had much of the Celebrate Me Home album in the works. And so I had, I believe in love as an idea. I had, you know, why do people, I had a ton of ideas. And uh, so we just sort of jammed on stuff and she loved um, that, um, and I believe in nobody tell me you know, why do people, or uh, I believe in love. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we worked on that. And then during the process, she said, uh, you know, have you ever thought about acting? And I said, no, thanks. And that was it. <laughs> that was our discussion about acting. <laughs> and, but, you know, they went from there. And then, and then when John left Barbara, he decided he wanted to be a movie producer because they had fun making that thing. Mm -hmm. And the first thing he decided to produce was Caddyshack. Oh, all time classic comedy. Yes. And that's 1980. And of course, the song is I'm All Right. And uh, just talk about writing. So I want to know, I want to know, so is it like a chicken in the egg or like which, how it kind of came together? Because there's lines in the song that like directly quote Bill Murray, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Cinderella right. kid, you know, what, yeah. what, did you know that was a line in the movie or how did that work out? Oh yeah, no, I saw a rough cut of the movie. It didn't have a gopher in it. It didn't have an ending. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I laughed my ass off. I thought it was a really funny movie. I wanted to write everything for it, but John wanted to have a pop, you know, a hit pop album. And um, so I wrote uh, uh, three different things for the movie. And one of them was a, a melody that I called the love theme from Caddyshack, which was a joke. And, <laughs> and, uh, and it, that love theme was a melody that I showed Barbara two years before as a, as a ballad melody for Star is Born. Oh. But she already had Evergreen, so they were taken care of. I didn't realize that. That I just love how silly and goofy it is, right down to the do 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 do. You know, it's just yeah, right. it's a crazy ass song. Um, and then of course uh, we can't. I mean, one of your most iconic, Footloose in '84, the the title song of that movie, Kevin Bacon, just iconic dance. It makes it makes you want to get up and dance. Um, and I think you even got nominated for the Oscar for that too, original song. But uh, just talk about uh, you know, I want to know creatively because us us as fans, you know, we're like, wow, that makes us really want to dance but what is it from a music creation side that 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 you would like you know that made you come up with that well um uh, you're talking about footloose now that was when dean pitchford wrote the screenplay and dean was a co collaborator of mine on other music and uh, mostly he's a lyricist mostly and um so in the process he said read my screenplay if you dig it let's write some songs for the movie so then we sat down and we and I read through the screenplay. We decided to write a song for the barroom scene at about the one third mark of the movie where the kids sneak out of town and go dancing in a, in a, a town nearby. Right. And, um, and so Footloose was a melody we were using for that scene. And this is the only time that I've really written for, a, for the actual screenplay. Uh, normally you go in, you watch a rough cut of the movie. It's the, most of the movie's already been filmed, if not all of it. And then they think, oh yeah, we need music. So let's call somebody up. And you, you go in, you check it out. And then I wrote for that scene um, with Dean specifically for that scene. But then when we went to the movie for the premiere, I saw that the director had decided he liked the song so much. He opens the movie with it, with the feet tapping <laughs> in the opening scene. And then they did similar things to the remake. 
yeah. So, you know, one thing leads to another. You're sitting there going, oh, this looks like money. Oh, we all want to cut loose. It really does. Well, we'd be here all day, but we got to at least mention the one more Top Gun 86 Highway to the Danger Zone. I mean, when that kicks in from those, I mean, is, was that sort of your idea for it to grab you right from the beginning? I mean, that da, 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 it really grabs you. It's a very forward moving, fast moving song. And um, but yeah. yeah, just any any good stories from from the creation of that? Oh, ab- absolutely. Now, that that's a song that was primarily written by Giorgio Moroder. And Tom Whitlock is his collaborator and lyricist. And then when I got a call from Giorgio in his office saying, we have to dub this thing into the movie in three days and, and we don't have a singer because they had originally, I think, negotiated with Mickey Thomas and Starship. Oh. And then I guess the lawyer screwed that one up. <laughs> one thing led to another and they did not have another act. So um, I was in the studio recording a song I wrote for the movie called Playing With The Boys. And in the process, I just jumped out of the studio, went down, met with Tom. We did some rewrites. Next day, I'm in the studio with uh, Giorgio. He's already changed the chords and stuff to the chords I added. And you know, I just went in and sang it. Two days later, it's in the movie. Wow. And it's an all-timer. Have, have never, that sparked a question from me. Did, did, has Tom Cruise ever come up to you at any sort of function or a private thing or anything and say, thank you for helping make my movie? <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, yes. And in particular, about six years ago, he and I did Kimmel accidentally together. And it was backstage where I said, I, I hear you're making Top Gun. He says, yeah. And I said, well, is Danger Zone going to be in it? He said, wouldn't be Top Gun without Danger Zone. Awesome. And, he, and he held true to that. You know, he wanted to use that original Danger Zone so that he could reconjure that vibe of the original movie and then take it from there. And I got to tell you, I have not been told or paid to say this. It's a great movie. The, <laughs> the, the, new, the new Maverick just blew me away. Yeah. It, well, by the time this interview airs, I, I guess I can safely probably say it. It's, it'll be the number one movie <laughs> in America. Top yeah. Gun Maverick. Uh, why, why do you say that? Just elaborate a little more. Is it, is it just as high octane, in your opinion, as the, the original 86 version? Yes, in my opinion, it is definitely high octane. And because we've got new technology, new jets, you know, now women are, are pilots as well. Um, it's, it's just a brilliantly written kind of, it's in the ilk of Star Wars and, and Indiana Jones and that kind of cliffhanger excitement thing that one after the other really well done yeah it's funny you mentioned those there's some of the most you know as far as pop culture heroes maverick is is right up there with them i mean it's so beloved what's it like when you're sitting there and you hear you're like okay he told me it was going to be in danger zone is going to be in here i don't know if it is let's see and then when you finally hear it sort of describe that feeling of sitting in the theater and oh there's my song (laughs) well you know have you ever had an orgasm It's similar to that, only different. <laughs> <laughs> that is the perfect explanation for it. That is hilarious. Kenny Loggins. I don't know how we how we top that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you pretty much don't. <laughs> no, I think I think that's the perfect place to leave it. Well, let's just bring it full circle back around to the Warner Theater show. It'll be June 7th in, in DC. Again, it's called Still All Right, an intimate evening of stories and songs. Uh, just final words, you know, talk, talk directly to our listeners, you know, come on out, guys. You can have a good time. Oh, absolutely. No, you got to come come to the stories and songs show because it's unique. It's it's never going to happen again. I've got six of them and and where we're at, 
where you're listening from is one of the six. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing some stories and songs with us briefly here on, on WTOP. Kenny Loggins, that, that was really fun. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.